You are listening to the CMC podcast series, Strong Life. In this exciting new series, the pastors of CMC will impart powerful principles that will enable you to live the strong life that God has destined for you. Now join Associate Pastor Paul Kern for the message, Strong Prayer. Great to be here with you tonight. If you don't know who I am, my name is Paul Kern. I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and we are in the middle of a really awesome series that we have loved called Strong Life. And tonight, we're going to be doing the topic of strong prayer. Very important topic for us to talk about tonight. Uh, I know that last week, our lead pastor, Tim Brooks, talked on being strong over fear. And if you didn't get to hear that particular message, uh, I encourage you to get on our podcast, check that out. It was a really, really good message. But tonight, we're going to be talking about strong prayer. And, you know, I've got a motto that I've really adopted in my life over the last many, many years, and it's just a little saying that uh, I had actually taped on my phone in the office for a number of years, and, and now I have it uh, just in my heart, and it, it goes like this. No Christian is greater than his prayer life. No Christian is greater than his prayer life. And I have no doubt that we would all agree in this room tonight that prayer is very important. As a matter of fact, prayer is even vital. We would all agree on that in here tonight. Yet, you know, really, most believers, if we were really honest, don't pray like they should. Many believers don't take the time to connect with God in prayer. You know, and if we all agree that prayer is important, if not vital, then why do so many believers pray so little? Well, I think one of the reasons that people don't pray a lot is because we just don't know how. You know, I remember when I first got saved, and man, I was on fire for Jesus. I loved the Lord, but I had no clue of what I was doing, really. I, I knew I'd gotten saved, and I'd come out of the world, and, and I knew I was supposed to live my life for God, but, you know, I didn't really have any training. I didn't have any education. I didn't really know what I was doing. I was passionate. I was hungry. I, I wanted to please God with my life. And I just had this natural urge to pray, but I didn't know how to pray. And so I think most believers don't know how to pray. And I think the reason that believers don't know how to pray is simply because we spend probably more of our time listening to people pray than praying. You know, we're in prayer groups, and, and we're around people, and, and they're praying, and they're leading prayer, and we're listening to people pray, but we don't necessarily are the ones that, that lead the prayer. And if you want to mature in prayer, you have to lead in prayer. Now, I want to develop this just a little bit with you here tonight, because, you know, when you're in prayer group settings, when you're in um, home group studies, Maybe even here at church and different people pray. I think it's easy to fall into the place to where other people pray, but you don't pray. And obviously, that may be because we're shy or we're fearful or we've never done it before. So I want to kind of give you a little scenario to set you up for real success. And, and, and it starts in the home. You know, you start in the home praying. You lead prayer at the dinner table. You say the prayers at bedtime with your children. 
before you and your roommates, if say you're sharing an apartment with friends, you know, you be the one to say, hey guys, let's all come together tonight and let's just, let's just end our night in prayer. Or, or maybe you're in a Bible study and, and you be the one to say, you know what, there's only five or six of us here. It's not like a big crowd. It's not something that's like, woo, this is really, makes me really nervous because there's just a handful of people there. So you be the one to instigate and lead the prayer. But I think this is very important because here's the thing. Practice perfects. Practice perfects. And the fact is, the more you pray, the more you will pray. And I've discovered that in my own personal life. The more that I've stepped up and I've been the guy that will lead the prayer, the bolder I have become. And it's amazing. As I begin to lead the prayer, God begins to give me the confidence to pray, not to hear myself pray, but because I know I have something to offer. I have something to bring to the table. I have something to pray about because the Holy Spirit, as I perfect my, pray, my prayer and I give myself to leading prayer, what I'm doing is I'm setting myself up for the Holy Spirit to begin to speak into my ears, to communicate to my heart, and to tell me what it is that I need to pray for that particular situation. How many of y'all have ever heard someone pray something and you thought to yourself, man, I wish I had a pr thought of that prayer? That was really an amazing prayer. Well, that can happen as you pray. Because the more you pray, the more you're going to become comfortable with prayer. And the more you become comfortable with prayer, the more natural prayer is going to become to you. Prayer is a lot like exercise. I love working out. I try to do it as much as I possibly can. It's something that I really enjoy. And, you know, I was thinking about this, and I was kind of meditating in my workout over my message as I've been putting it together uh, this past couple of weeks. And here's the thing that kind of makes prayer a lot like exercise, because it's not meaningful until it's regular. Think about exercise. Exercise is not meaningful until it's regular. It always cracks me up. At the beginning of the year, you know, we make these New Year's resolutions. Y'all know about those? Some of y'all are like, yeah, no, I quit doing that a long time ago. <laughs> but, you know, we make these New Year's resolutions, and it's like, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get in the gym. I'm about to get buff. I'm going to get in here. I'm going to tear this up. And so here comes January, man. We pop in the gym, and we're all full of energy. We've drank that protein drink that almost made us throw up. You know, if we're really tough, we crack three eggs and drink them raw. And Man, I'm ready to go. And we hit the gym, and man, we, we do 50 push-ups and 50 set-ups. And I mean, we, we, we do 50 curls, and, and we're just into this thing, man. We are tearing it up. We do 50 squats, I mean, up and down, up and down. We got some weights. We're tearing it up. We run a mile. We, we destroy it. But I don't care if you do 200 of each of those, and you run 10 miles. If it's only one day, it's ineffective. You're just going to be sore and crying tomorrow, and that's all you got out of it. See, it's better to have small five to ten minute prayers than an hour-long prayer that's not doable for you. And here's my point. You have to make prayer a doable routine. You know, we get these ideas of, 
man, I'm going to pray for three hours today. Well, I mean, that's great if it's doable for you. But lots of times, I don't know about you, but, but three hours of prayer for me, that's, that's not a doable scenario for me on a normal average day. So you have to make prayer a doable routine. You have to learn to pray on a regular basis, and you make that routine doable. I want to share a, a little testimony with you tonight. I'm going to have a couple kind of spread out through my message just to encourage you in prayer a little bit. But I have a, a really neat testimony about this building. You know, years ago, before this building was ever here, this entire area right here that this building is on was a swamp. It was full of water. Some of you have been here long enough to know exactly what I'm talking about. And so we knew that God had provided this land to us, but before we could ever build on this property, this area was going to have to be made ready for a building to be built on it. And so I was talking with our lead pastor, and you know, he was just saying, man, we just need a lot of dirt. We need a whole lot of dirt. Well, when I heard that, I said, okay. So I'm over Applied Life Leaders Academy, our nine-month internship for our college-age young people that are here. And, and I went up to morning prayer that morning with them, just as their regular occurrence. And I said, guys, we're going to go pray today, and I want you all to come with me. And so we came down here to this area, to this really swampy area. And I said, put on an old pair of tennis shoes, don't wear anything nice. So we came here, and we got down here, and I said, all right, everybody make a circle. And they all made a circle. I said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray today. And they were like, okay. And I said, but here's what we're going to pray for. I said, we're going to pray for dirt. And a couple of them thought I said, we're going to pray for the dirt. And so they were like, and I was like, no, we're not praying for the dirt. We're praying for more dirt. And so we did. We consistently came and prayed day after day, week after week, for dirt. Well, it just so happens that a couple moved in across the road from our church, and they begin to come to church here. Bought several acres across the road, and they begin to construct a pond, a really big pond. And they needed some place to put the dirt. And we said, we know a great place for you to put the dirt. And so they begin to help bring all the dirt here. And we had a gentleman in our church that began to help spread the dirt. And so we had all this dirt spread, but we were still, even though it was hundreds of truckloads of dirt, we were still way short of dirt. So you know what we continue to do? Pray for dirt. Because that's what you do. And so this was a doable thing for us, and we just kept praying for dirt. And lo and behold, they decided that they were going to do a highway project out here on Highway 7. They were going to widen the road. And we just happened to kind of be right at the beginning of where that started. And so me and the lead pastor, we drove down the road, and we met with a foreman on the job. And we said, what are you going to do with all this dirt that you need to get rid of? And he said, we got to have a place to haul it. Do you know a place? And we said, we absolutely do. And church, we had literally hundreds of thousands 
of dollars worth of dirt hauled to this ministry and spread on this ground. And God provided every bit of that, and we never paid a penny for any of that dirt. That's the power of prayer. Now you think, golly, we're going to pray for dirt? You know, really there's not anything that's insignificant for you to pray about. And I really want tonight to be an encouragement to you to make 2017 a year that you really make your prayer life strong. That you make 2017 a year, whether you're young or you're old, that you make this year a year that you press into God and you begin to believe God for things that he has for your life. Now, I want to make this practical for you tonight. So I want to give you four do's. I'm going to give you four do's tonight of prayer. The first do, number one, do make a place. You've got to make a place. You've got to find a regular place. It's really important because we're kind of creatures of habit. And so having a place, a designated place that you go, it makes you more effective in your prayer life. How many of y'all saw The War Room? Really great movie. You know, and one of the concepts that they had in The War Room was that she made a room in her house, and that was where she met with God. That was her designated place. And so I encourage you to get you a designated place. My designated place is two places. One, it's in my chair in the morning when I get up with my cup of coffee. And two, it's in my office at work because I have my office fixed up really nice. Me and David have worked hard to make our offices nice offices because, because we spend a lot of time in our offices putting sermons together. We spend a lot of time in our offices praying for our church and praying for our people. And so that's a regular place that I go. So I encourage you, find a room in your house, maybe a certain area outside. Some of you commute back and forth to work. And you have kind of a long drive, so you can make your car or your truck your designated prayer place as you're going to and from work. Boy, you can, man, I tell you what, I've, I've gotten down in some prayer in my vehicle before when I'm traveling. I mean, that's a really good place. Clear out a closet, set it up, get some candles, get some incense, maybe a small light, put some scriptures up on the wall, create you an area. Some of you people who like being outside, maybe outside on your patio. Maybe there's an area in the woods by a creek or by a pond. There's a place that you can go, but that is your designated place that you meet with God when you pray. See, making that place is so important because that becomes your designated meeting place that you have with God. And that gives you an environment where you can express yourself. Now, this is very important you have to have a place that you can express yourself. How many of y'all have ever gotten in prayer? And man, you know, you kind of did some things in there that might come across as a little bit peculiar to people if you were doing it out in the open. Boy, I know I have. Man, I've done, I've done all kinds of hokey things. I pulled the sword of the Spirit out. Man, I had that thing. I mean, it was hokey, I know, but I just, I had to have a visual you know, and sometimes people, and we're all different, but you have to have a place that you can express yourself. 
There's times I, I sing and I worship and I praise. There's times I get down on my knees. There's times that I walk back and forth and, man, I am doing warfare with the enemy against my family or against my church or against my friends or my community. And, man, I am coming against the enemy strong. There's times I just pace back and forth. And so you want your place that you meet with God to be a place that you can express yourself in an effective way and do, I mean, whatever you need to do. There's really nothing that I would say that was really outside of the realm of normal that you could do. I don't, if you need to stand on your head, I don't know what you need to do, but you do whatever you have to do to be effective in your prayer. Number two. The second do, do make a time. Now, if you're going to become effective in prayer, you have to designate a time that works for you. Now, you know, there's morning people and there's nocturnal people. And these are two different people. They're cut from two different cloths. Now, for example, for me, I wake up in the morning about 6.45 and... Um, you know, if I don't have a cup of coffee, my prayer life is incoherent. I might be like, God bless my tire on my truck. I, mean, I don't even know what I might pray. It's, gonna, it's not going to make any sense because I'm asleep. So until I get the first infusion of caffeine flowing through my veins, don't talk to me. My wife has learned this. My wife, you know, she wakes up before me. My wife wakes up early, and she's up working out and getting ready for a day. I mean, I'm like, what are you doing? It's 5 o'clock in the morning. You're working out. My wife's in there getting after it, and I'm, I'm just like, I would be a zombie. There's no way I could do that. And so, you know, I wake up. My wife's been up for an hour and a half. She's ready to have a conversation, and I'm just like. <laughs> and so she's learned, don't bother Paul until he's had his cup of coffee. So it depends on your personality and how you're made up. If you're nocturnal, then obviously the time for you to pray or make a time to pray would be at night. If you're an early riser and you like getting up in the morning, then that's the time that I would recommend that you pray. But you have to make sure that you make a time. Because if not, here's the thing. If you don't set a time, then you won't be committed to pray. But if you designate a time, you can be committed to your prayer life and be more effective. And, and I want to encourage you this. Don't try to find time. Finding time is like trying to find a lost dime. You give it up. You're not going to find it. What you do is, is you make time. You make time. You will never find time. We're all looking for time. We just kicked into daylight savings time. And we still don't have enough time. So you're not going to find time. You're going to have to be very, very purposeful and say to yourself, this will be the time that I have set that I am going to spend in prayer. Now, sometimes you're going to miss your time. It's just going to happen. Things are going to come up. Things are going to, you know, emergencies are going to arise. That's understandable and that's okay. But here's what you don't want to do. Just because you missed your time, you don't want to just quit. Well, I miss my time. Because, you know, I don't know if your personality is like mine, but, you know, I really want to do good. And I really want to do, when I, when I make commitments, I want to keep them. And so, you know, if I miss doing something I said I was going to do, I tend to beat myself up. See, Paul, 
Why did you do that? And so it's like, just, just forget it. I can't do it. But I want to encourage you, don't quit. You're going to miss from time to time. Those things are going to happen, but I don't want you to quit. It's okay. Just regroup, all right? Missed my time, messed up, this happened, that happened. Things come up. Sometimes other circumstances arise that may last for several days, okay? If that happens, let's say you get into a season where some changes happen and you got to regroup, then find a different time and, and you create a new time that you can do. But the point is, the more you work at a schedule, the better that you're going to get at doing it. Amen? The third do. Do remove distractions. Probably one of the biggest hindrances to prayer are distractions. And there's all kinds of distractions that come into play. One of the reasons that you make a place is because you help remove distractions. Because if you have a place that you regularly go, then you have a place that you are used to. There's, you're not looking at the new painting on the wall. You're not looking at the new picture. You're not noticing the new this or the new that in your environment because you go there every day, and so you get used to that. Y'all know what I'm saying? So those distractions are removed from you because you have this place that you go to all the time. But let me give you a couple of other things that I encourage you to remove from your prayer time. One of them would be this little culprit right here. Now, I love technology. You know, I've got an iPhone. I've got an Apple Watch. I love technology. I use it. Um, I do a lot of social media here in our ministry in a lot of areas, and so I, I use this stuff for the ministry quite a bit. And it's a blessing, but it can also be a big distraction. And you know, when you go into your prayer closet, it's amazing how you can find yourself Snapchatting yourself praying <laughs> instead of actually praying. <laughs> you know, none of us go into our prayer closet and say, man, I'm about to press into God and Instagram myself praying. <clears throat> but it's amazing how technology can get in the way because I don't know if, if your phone is anything like my phone, but my phone beeps and vibrates and dings all day long. It is a constant source of information flowing to me, and in its proper setting and in the right environment, it's good. It's a tool. But in prayer, it can become a distraction. So I encourage you, remove your phone, your tablet, your computer, your TV, anything that's going to distract you from your purpose. And your purpose is to connect with God in prayer. So the rest of that stuff, remove it. Another thing that I want to encourage you is, is don't make prayer time Bible reading time. Now, I know this sounds kind of funny because it's like, wait, our pastor's telling us not to read the Bible? No, I, you need to read the Bible, but you need to have two separate times. You need to have a time that you read the Word, you meditate on the Word, and you study the Word, but then you have a time where you come into the throne room. And that's just you and your Father God. Jesus gives you this great access and the presence of the Holy Spirit there and the heart of the Father is there. And you begin to pray and you connect with the heart of God. Because lots of times what happens, and I've seen this happen with our interns over the years, they go in to pray and they pray, 
God bless my mommy. God bless my daddy. God bless my brother. God bless my sister. Oh, my dog. Oh, and my hamster. My beta fish. My best friend. Uh, that's about it, God. And then we open our Bible. And the only way that you're going to expand your depth of prayer is that you find yourself in those awkward moments. You know, in our society today, we have to have constant noise and constant input. But what can happen, young people, is having constant noise and constant input. And that's why I say, when you go into your prayer closet, don't even take any worship in there with you. There's a time to have worship. There's a time to have Bible reading. And then there's a time to have prayer where you can really focus in on what God is wanting to teach you and reveal to you and do through you. So our goal is to remove anything out of the way that can distract us. For example, if you're hungry, I would encourage you to eat before you go into prayer. A growling stomach can be a distraction. I don't know about you, but man, I've had some really great intentions in prayer. I was going to go in there and I was really going to do good. And about two minutes into it, my eyes are rolling around. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I mean, you're just, it, it's, prayer's like the best sleeping pill you could possibly have. That and reading a book. And so what you have to do is, is you have to put yourself in a position where you remove hindrances and then you have this perfect time, you have this perfect place, you remove these hindrances, so you're setting your up, yourself up to have an effective prayer life. Let me give you another one. Number four. Do cultivate consistency. Do cultivate consistency. Now remember what I said, prayer is like exercise. It's not meaningful until it's regular. And I think for many believers, prayer is a very infrequent thing that they do. We call on God when an emergency arises. We call on God when we have a problem. But church, we have to understand, God never meant for prayer, God meant for prayer to be a lifestyle, not a 911 call. And I think for many believers, prayer has become a 911 call instead of something that they do all throughout the day. We want to practice the presence of God all throughout our day as we're meditating on the goodness of God and keeping our minds centered on the Word of God and the things of God. And that way, prayer begins to be cultivated in our hearts. Go to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. We're going to look at verse 7 and 8. Jesus is teaching on prayer here. Jesus says in Matthew 7 and 8, He says, Keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who seeks finds, and everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Now what I want you to notice is this requires constant Repeated, consistent prayer. That's what's necessary. You know, I was talking to our children's pastor the other day, and he was sharing 
a testimony with me about his father. And I have a few things that I took down here as I want to share just a, a, a miracle prayer. Jason said his father was addicted to drugs and he was in and out of jail his whole life as he was growing up. As a matter of fact, when Jason was here in our internship at Applied Life Leaders Academy, his father was in prison. My father was full of empty promises. He gave me every reason in the world to hate him, including fights that resulted in physical altercations. But when I got saved, I decided, instead of hating who my father was, that I would begin to pray for who I wanted him to be. And from that moment, Jason began to pray for his father. He prayed every night for four years. It wasn't always the same prayer, but it was always an intentional prayer. Sometimes I would pray, he said, and I would get a good report about my dad. And sometimes I would pray, and a few days later I would hear that he was back in prison again, and he'd gotten himself into some kind of trouble. Well, in Jason's senior year of high school, his dad was arrested again, and Jason was unable to reach his dad for a period of several months. And out of the blue one day, about five or six months later, Jason got a letter from his father, and I want to read to you the letter that his father sent to him. He said, Jason, I want you to know I'm proud of the man that you've become. Before I got arrested, I was not happy, nor did I allow God to fully work in my life. I knew all about God, but I did not have an intimate relationship with God. Now, I've used this time in jail to put myself through a sabbatical. I studied the Bible and other books about the Bible four to six hours a day. I've been doing this for five months. I'm also attending church here three times a week. Jason, it's funny, but my nickname here is The Preacher. I hold devotionals in my cell for the other inmates. God has done some amazing things. I've seen hardened criminals break down and cry. They've repented, and they've given their hearts to Christ. In my jail cell, this has happened on more than one occasion. And though I am jail, I'm happier than I've ever been. God has allowed me to blossom where I have been planted. And I know my convictions don't mean anything unless I hold up under the pressure, and I can't wait to show you who God has made me when I get out. Four years, four years of consistent prayer. I prayed for my father for seven years, seven years of continual, consistent prayer, and I saw a mean, alcoholic man come to know Christ. And when my father passed away many years ago, my father entered into heaven because he was born again. See, I want you to know tonight that prayer opens doors and God answers when we ask. And tonight I want to really encourage you to be people of prayer. See, that's why Jesus taught his disciples to pray and how to pray. As a matter of fact, Jesus' disciples came to him and they said, Jesus, will you, will you teach us to pray like John taught his disciples to pray? And so Jesus said, absolutely, I'll teach you how to pray. And so if you want to go to Luke chapter 11, let's just look at this together. Luke chapter 11, Jesus teaches his disciples how to pray. Verse 1 says, once Jesus was in a certain place praying. Do you see that? 
Did you see what that just said? A certain place. See, Jesus had a place that he went and he met with God. It was up on the mountain. That's where Jesus would go. As he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples to pray. And Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day the food we need, and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation. Then teaching them more about prayer, Jesus went and began to share with them a story. And and I'm not going to read that story. You can definitely take up on that tomorrow morning in your devotion. It's a great story to read about being persistent in prayer. But Jesus was teaching his disciples how to pray. Now, I want you to notice here, and you can also look in Matthew chapter 6, because the Lord's Prayer is also found over there. It's what we call the Lord's Prayer. But what I want you to notice is, is Jesus was teaching his disciples how to pray, not what to pray. And many, many people have turned the Lord's Prayer into a memorized prayer, and the Lord's Prayer is a model of prayer. It's what your prayer ought to look like. And and I don't have time tonight to go into a teaching on the model of this prayer, but let's just look at this first verse Father, may your name be kept holy. Some of you know it as our Father who art in heaven. What? Hallowed would be your name. Holyized is your name. And so the first thing that we do in prayer that Jesus showed us is that we recognize the holiness of God and the position of God, the Father, in our life. He is in a supreme position of holiness in our life. And Jesus goes on and he begins to show them how to pray. He never meant that we memorize this and and just quoted this memorized saying. No, this was a model prayer for all of us to follow. So as as we take this prayer, this prayer teaches us how it is that we are to pray. So if you're here tonight and you're like, you know, Paul, I I really want to be a person that prays more. And, you know, you've given me some good points on some really practical things that I can do to be a person who develops a better prayer life. But I just don't really know how. Well, listen, church, I can't think of a better person for you to learn how to pray from than our master Jesus. Because the Bible says that Jesus was a man of prayer. Jesus spent a lot of time in prayer. As a matter of fact, if you read in the book of Luke, you'll see many, many times where the scripture says that Jesus pulled away and he would go spend time with the Father in prayer. But not just in your own personal prayer time, but I want to motivate you to also pray for other people. You know, there are many, many needs that are around us each and every day. There are people who need miracles of healing. They need financial miracles. They need things to happen in their companies and their businesses. There's breakthroughs and deliverances that need to take place. So many people are dealing with emotional problems and issues, and they're all around us every single day. And as we take opportunity to lead in prayer, I promise you, you'll see God move 
in prayer. I want to share one last testimony with you tonight. There's a young lady who was in a worship service, and she really felt the Lord moving on her to go pray for a woman that was standing in front of her. Didn't want to draw any attention to herself, so she just walked up behind her quietly, put her hand on her shoulder, and she began to pray for this woman as she was worshiping in this worship service that she was in. Well, after the service, the young woman walked up to her crying. She was in tears, and she looked at her and she said, I've really been struggling with depression. It's really been a real issue in my life. It's really been a real problem. And she says, as I was worshiping tonight, I really felt oppressed. I was really down. I was really hopeless. And moments before she came and laid her hands to pray for her, that young woman had begged God to send someone as a sign to her that he was listening, that God was hearing her prayers. And so because of this young woman was being sensitive to the Holy Spirit, and she went throughout her day, not letting her mind get caught up on frivolous, fruitless thoughts and fruitless activities, but because she was always practicing the presence of God all throughout the day. Because I know this young woman, she's always in prayer. She's always connecting with the Father, always having His heart. Well, when she was in that service, because she's connected with the Father, she was able to hear what the Father was saying. And she was able to go over to this young woman and lay hands on her who was in a desperate situation, hopeless and depressed. And God was able to come in, tears streaming down her face, and new hope. She said, you brought new hope into my heart. Well, what is that worth tonight, church? To bring new hope to people, to bring encouragement to people. And so tonight as I close, I want to encourage you to make 2017 a year that your prayer life becomes stronger and stronger. Because the fact is, God has many things that He wants to do for you, in you, and through you. And the way that God is going to do that is that we put ourselves in a position that we connect with God in the realm of the Spirit, and we begin to pray, and we begin to see God do great and mighty things. God wants to move in this world. God desperately wants to make things happen in our families and in our lives. But what God needs is an intercessor who will stand in the gap and who will pray and lift up the needs of their community, lift up the needs of their family. You know, it's easy to get mad at your family members. It's easy to get frustrated with your friends. It's easy to write someone off because they're not living the holy life. But what God has called us to do is God has called us to be people who will pray and pray and pray and not give up. That's what Jesus said in the book of Luke. He said, we're to be the kind of people that we pray. We do not turn coward. We do not turn faint. We do not run. But we are people who will prevail in prayer and we will see the kingdom of God brought to earth. Can I have an amen tonight? Amen. Stand with me tonight. Let's give God a hand clap. Well, I think I would be amiss if I didn't pray. So I want to pray for you. I want to, I want to bless you tonight in prayer. 
So if you have a need tonight, and most everyone does, if you have a need tonight, just as, just as a recognition of faith that you're believing God for that answer, would you just extend your hand like this tonight? If you have a prayer need tonight that you need addressed. And those of you tonight that aren't raising your hands and your needs are met, hey, praise God, that's wonderful. So would you do this with me as I pray you partner with me in prayer for all of the ones that are in here who are seeking God for answers to their prayers. Let's pray together. Father, we come before you tonight, and we thank you, God, that you hear our prayers. And Lord, we know that you hear our prayers because we have the down payment of your Holy Spirit that, that acknowledges that we are your children and we thank you that Jesus has opened a way that we can enter into your throne room boldly, without fear, without guilt. But that you, God, are there awaiting us. And God, tonight as we come into your presence, because your word says we're two or more gathered, you are in the midst. And God, tonight you see all these hands that are raised. And God, by faith, as they extend their hands, Father, I ask you to see these hands and I ask you to answer from heaven. And God, that you will meet these needs tonight. And God, I pray that there, if there are people in here who are asking amiss in their prayer, in other words, their motive isn't right in their prayer, or maybe they think that's what they need, but really what they need is for you to reveal something else to them. God, I pray that you will sovereignly move and reveal to them what it is that you're doing in their life. But God, tonight as we lift our hands, we trust you, Father, that you are faithful, that you are able, and that you are good. And Lord, we receive that answer from you. And God, by faith we stand and we trust you until the answer comes. We ask these things in the precious name of your son, Jesus Christ. And everyone said, Amen. You've been listening to the CMC Podcast. You can stay connected with us through Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Download the CMC app by searching Christian Ministries Church in the App Store. For more information and upcoming events, go to cmchurch.com.